Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, let me let me start by reading. Uh, I'm going to focus on two verses out of the Gospel of John. Um, from chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. And you can follow along with me. This is the, um, the context is the, is the Last Supper. And uh, Jesus is sitting with his disciples and speaking to them. This is, this is what he says in verses 34 and 35 of John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen. Let me let me pray as we start. Heavenly Father, bless these words, uh, these these two verses, to us uh, with simple yet profound truth. Help us uh, to um, uh, exp be exposed to what you are com commanding us here. What you have uh, given uh, to us. What uh, example you have set. Um, what witness you are calling us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, we're doing a series on love, and you know this is really hard. Um, cause, uh, we use the word love all the time, all the time, you know, it's deeply ingrained in our culture in part because in truth of the Christian heritage of the culture, in part because of the words of Jesus, we talk about love all the time. And, uh, but part, part of the challenge, first, I want to talk about, we're confused about love, love confused. And, uh, when we do a series, why are we doing a series on love? You know, well, we have a burden to redeem that word and to bring in to effect, to apply to our own lives, uh, the life of our community, um, uh, the reality of the love that God has for us and the love that God is calling us to. Uh, but that's hard because we're confused about love. I mean, if you just think what comes to mind, who, who says to you they love you? For some of us, that's like extremely positive connotations, loving parents, um, uh, loving uh, grandparents, loving friends, maybe even loving si siblings, maybe even loving roommates, um, loving hallmates. Maybe you, you have positive connotations. For a lot of us, uh, you could think up of pretty strong negative connotations, people who are technically your loved ones and yet who don't treat you in that way. I've, I've realized over the years, you know, often um, when there's some, some conflict, someone, someone does something that they know they shouldn't, and then there's the the phrase, well, I did this because I'm treating you as family, or this is because we're close <laughs> that I said that. And, you know, it's like based on that experience, like we treat our families pretty badly, right? Evidently, it looks like the way we treat the people we love um, is uh, uh, as, as people we, we feel free to vent our anger on, right? People we feel free to... Um, uh, make claims on that we won't reciprocate. And uh, people who were, we're, we're, you know, whereas with strangers, with business associates, we put on our good behavior. With the people we love, uh, we let it all hang out. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's your experience. Maybe even it's worse than that. And you have someone in your life where they treat you in the exact opposite of love, but maybe then they say, oh, but I love you. Or some other, you know, member of the family or the friend circle says, oh, I know they just did that to you. Or the, I know the way they treat you, but, but deep down, uh, they love you. Not in a way that they would say or show by their words or actions, but they love you. And so we're confused. Uh, we're confused about love. And we think of love also in, a, you know, in the contemporary uh, culture very much in terms of me. 
what do I feel and what do I want? What do I feel and what do I want? And now it is certainly true that love has a lot to do with feelings. Like it is explicitly, inescapably caught up in matters of the heart. There's, there's no way to talk about love as purely uh, intellectual or purely external. It is, what do I feel? Am I, and, but it's fundamentally not, what do I feel about myself? But rather it's about extending that love we have for ourselves. We are called to love ourselves. And it's implicit in the command, love your neighbor in Leviticus as yourself, that we love ourselves, but it's fundamentally outwardly focused. We're taking that regard, esteem, desire we have for ourselves and we are extending it. And so when we love someone, what we're saying is what you feel, I feel. Your interests are my interests, right? It's, it's inherently an other focused, a selfless action, feeling, desire. And it, it is inherently action oriented. And we'll see this very powerfully in these verses, what they communicate uh, about love. Um, so are you confused? You know what love is. You know, love is very, very powerful. I took it for granted. I grew up in a loving family. I grew up in a family, you know, we don't say we love each other basically at all. You know, I've told this story before. My grandmother once said at a family gathering, um, you know, I feel we should say we love each other more. And so she said, I love you. And we're like, oh, yes, good. Yes, we love you too. And, you know, that might have been the last time I heard it said in the family. You know, it was like stated. But the actions were showed. Now, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that, right? A family that's not, uh, that doesn't say the words a lot, but does the actions and has the feelings in the heart. But I took it for granted. And the one thing I've learned in ministry, and you learn this as you care for people, how much the deprivation of love, of truly having others who care for you, the damage that that does in people's lives. And that so much of the ways in which I've been able to flourish as an individual is because I was loved well. Right. I had my reservoirs filled, so to speak. I think so often in ministry in terms of like pouring love into others. They're so confused. They maybe even they don't even know what the word means. They certainly haven't experienced it. And we, you have to pour often in an unreciprocated way, sometimes for very long periods of time, pour love into someone's life. In order for them to reach that point where they're able to reciprocate where they're able, hopefully, I, you know, we, we hope that that's the people who raised you are the ones who have done that, that they filled that up so that you can then go out and, and give it um, to others. And so maybe that's where you are. You are, you're operating on a, on a deficit. Well, what, what does God have to say uh, about love? Uh, let me turn, this is my second, second point, which is uh, love proved. Uh, and you know, Jesus says here in verse, verse 34, uh, I give you uh, a new commandment, a new commandment. In the Latin, this mandatio uh, no, novum, it's where we have Maundy Thursday. If you ever run into that old church word, you know, around Easter, like the Thursday before Easter, that's the day when the um, Last Supper happened. That comes from this, the word commandment. And in some ways, this is strange, because what are the greatest commandments from the Old Testament? Well, Jesus tells us the greatest commandment is from Deuteronomy 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second, that's the vertical. Again, outward focused, upward focused, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself out of Leviticus. 
And that's foundational. Even you think, you think about the Ten Commandments. That's the first four. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the, 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 the second part uh, are love your neighbor as yourself. The upward focus and then the outward focus. But nonetheless, Jesus says here, it's a new commandment I give to you. And I think what he means by it, it's not, it's not new in the sense that it's a departure from the past, but it's the full revelation of that has come to pass. The full revelation has come to pass in who in Jesus Christ. So he's given them a commandment. How will that, what is that, that new commandment um, to love one another? Just as I have loved you. So he gives them a new commandment based on a new example. Love one another just as I have loved you, the example of Jesus Christ. And this uh, will bear fruit, and we'll talk about this in a moment, in uh, a new witness. This is how all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So love proved, love proved in Jesus. What is he saying? You know, uh, how have I loved you? The context, even if you go earlier in the chapter, the context of the, the Last Supper is really powerful. Because what does Jesus do famously? He, and this is like if you went to a traditional Monday Thursday service, this is a feature. He washed his disciples' feet. Has anyone ever washed your feet? Well, someone when you were a baby washed your feet. <laughs> but we don't do that. You know, we walk outside in sandals, but, you know, we have paved paths. We don't walk in the desert as they did. But washing of feet was a fundamental thing. But it was, you know, it was beneath Jesus's level. Peter says this, far be it for me that you should wash my feet. Right? We would not invite the queen over and say, oh, would you mind taking out the trash? Right? If you, uh, you bring an honored speaker to campus, you're not like, oh, could you, could you run the coffee machine before you speak? But this is the example Jesus set. But even in washing their feet, what is he pointing towards there? He's pointing explicitly to that he must lay down his life for them in what is about to happen the next day on the cross. And so the what is the example of Jesus that teaches us love? It's that he laid down his life, not merely for his friends, but for those who were yet his enemies. He laid down his life to pay the price for our sins on the cross. And there is love. It's the kind of love it ha has, that has, has power, right? It's, 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 it's love freely given to the, to the one who does not deserve it. Now, what, what is the power of that love? I was talking earlier on the phone today with David Zamora, and he brought up, uh, don't worry, David, I'm not going to reveal any secrets, but uh, he brought up um, uh, 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 Les Miserables. Uh, any of you ever read the book? Watch the musical? You know, when COVID's over and they play, they play the music, they go to the musical, how they turned that epic book, which is amazing, into that epic musical, which is amazing, I don't know. But what's the, what's the, what's the uh, uh, power of that story uh, in Les Mis? Well, Jean, Jean, Jean Valjean, you know, he's been mistreated. He's been imprisoned all these years. He goes out. He's staying with his bishop. And he steals from the man, right? He steals from the man. Hey, you get hard to blame him. He's been treated so badly. And then Jean Valjean, he's brought back. He's arrested and with the stolen goods. And he's brought back. And, and the bishop shows him grace. He says, no, no, no. I gave him those things, the gold cups and such. I gave those to him. And so Jean Valjean goes off. He's given, all of a sudden, he's put in this debt of love to this, this man who's reflecting himself Christ's love. And so Jean Valjean goes off in this life, still pursued by the law, by Inspector Javert, 
this is this is this is a choice you have to make as a Princetonian. Am I going to become Inspector Javert or Jean Valjean? I asked myself that <laughs> from time to. I asked Christine, my wife, you know, am I Inspector Javert or am I Jean Valjean? And Jean Valjean goes off, and Inspector Javert is all law, self righteousness, law and order, and no mercy. But then towards the end of this long, multi, you know, lifelong epic, Jean Valjean shows grace and mercy to Javert, and Javert can't take it. Right? Jean Valjean pays forward. He is such the power of mercy shown to him pours itself out in love that he shows to others. He's able to give it. Having received mercy, he's able to extend mercy, to follow that new commandment, to love. In a, uh, uh, not a quid, there's no quid pro quo in it. And Javert can't take it, right? He ultimately, he takes his own life because he can't, having never shown mercy, he can't receive mercy. And so Jesus has proved love. He's shown it. That's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to look at, at episodes, looking at how Jesus has lived out that, how he has taught us to love one another. So last, let, let, let me uh, close with this, uh, which, is, which is compelling love. Compelling love. Uh, let me actually throw out, you can throw up Anna, that quote from, from D.A. Carson. Um, in my reading, I love this quote. The new command, it's simple enough for a toddler to memorize and appreciate, profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly they comprehend it and put it into practice. I mean, which one of us reading this love one another is, isn't embarrassed if we take it seriously? Um, and yet uh, infants can grasp this. Not that infants are good at loving one another, but they can understand when they're not. <laughs> they can understand when they're not. And so this love from Christ, it compels us to action. It empowers us to action. It teaches us action. This is where love is not merely feelings, but actions. What, are, what use are feelings saying, oh, I sympathize. Oh, I empathize. Oh, your interests are my interests, if that's not borne out in action. Jesus bore it out in laying down his life on the cross. We, if we are his disciples, if you call yourself a Christian, what do we do? We love one another. We love one another. You know, I, again, that's something I took for granted being raised in the church. This is years ago. I was coming back from Princeton and Beijing. We'd flown out of um, uh, Beijing into Tokyo. We had an overnight stay in Tokyo just because of the flights. And, you know, went to the hotel and it was a mix up at the hotel. It was my fault. You know, I was talking, I was sort of a little lost in translation because uh, I was supposed to have a hotel room. And I was with another guy from the Princeton program, you know, a friend of mine. And, uh, and so they had, we got to the hotel and he, they had a room for him and not for me. And we were trying to work it out. And I said, oh, well, it's okay. I can just stay with him. And he said, um, no. <laughs> and see, there's me like good Christian boy. I just assume, I just, I just like assume a debt of love is owed between all of us regardless. You know, I, I did it earlier today. I ran into Daniel Braga on the street, you know, and I volunteered. I was talking to to, uh, you know, uh, 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 pa Pastor Matt, um, the retired pastor at Stonehill about his new project. He needed a website created, you know, and I'm like, Daniel Braga, he'll do it for you. I volunteered the man without even asking him first, right? And I said, you know, we were on the street over on Spring Street, walking to and from, like grabbing lunch. And I'm like, oh, Daniel, I volunteered you, you know, and, and now I don't know, maybe he was lying to me, but he seemed okay with it. Because we love one another. David Zamora, the last week he was searching for his, for his bike and he couldn't find it because there were too many houses where he might have left it for free through COVID. 
But it, so it was in Craig's basement. I should have remembered that when he searched my garage. But, you know, I should have remembered. No, uh, David's stuff ended up in Craig's basement this time. Right. These are just I mean, they're trivial examples, but they're profound examples. Like it is a normal thing. It must be a normal thing for us to love one another and with teeth, the kind of love that overlooks faults, truly that lays, you know, the, 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 you go, go to Leviticus 19.18 and read the first half of the sentence before it's love one another. It's, I, I won't take revenge or bear a grudge, right? The love that we're called to is I won't take revenge or bear a grudge. I'll repent. I'll forgive. I, I, I will see. It's not, and it's not just, um, uh, it's also, I, I will speak truth. I mean, what does Jesus do as he shows love? To his disciples, I, he lays down his life for them. He washes their feet. He also proclaims to them the truth. He rebukes them when they need to be rebuked. It's a powerful thing, the love that Jesus demonstrates. And it's not just how do I feel and how do I expect other people, what do I expect them to do to me, for me, but it's what has God done for me and what is he calling me to do? And there's, uh, let me just end on this note. It's powerful here. Jesus says, this is our witness, right? He's a new command with this new example, the ultimate example in Jesus' work uh, on the cross and his death and resurrection. But it has a new witness. Uh, this is how you know. I mean, this is, this is my favorite parts of church history. I mean, there's plenty in church history that's quite, quite grim, marked by sin. That's more like the book of Judges than like the book of Acts. But there's so much where you see this is how Christians were known. You see, you see this in the early church. You see it consistently as a thread of the faithful, where people could look and say, look how they love one another. Pliny, Pliny's letter to Trajan is a famous uh, example. Um, uh, Julian the Apostate, who tried to turn back the clock on Christianity in the Roman Empire, he said it. He tried to shame his pagan priests. He said the Christians care not only for their own poor, but our poor as well. Because how can we not, given the mercy that's been shown us, how can we not but overflow with the love of Christ? So come back uh, week by week uh, as we walk through this um, and as we try to, to uh, receive and live out the love of Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you most of all for the gift of your son um, that uh, you so loved the world that you sent Jesus Christ uh, to die on our behalf, that all who believe in him might not perish. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would, that our, our little fellowship, our branch of uh, your kingdom, that yeah, your believers more broadly on campus, that we would be marked out as those who love one another, that when we, when we fight, uh, when we uh, harm each other, we would be quick to repent, that when there, there are needs, that we would be quick to fill them, that we would be sacrificial, even as we are those who proclaim the truth in an unashamed way. We pray, Heavenly Father, and we know it is only by a work of your spirit that we would be marked by that love, where we would look at one another and see truly those who are uh, loved by you, made in your image. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.